You know what? Last week we looked at a very difficult and heavy topic. We looked at a, like kind of where is God in the hardships and struggles of life, in the grief, in the losses of life. Where is God? We talked about that last week. And uh, it was a heavy topic, but you know what? We came out of there knowing that God is with us. God is not apart from the troubles of life. He's a part of everything that we go through. And he's with us in the midst of everything. And he has suffered the crucified Christ, God with us. He has suffered and he's with us in all things. And um, so I'm wondering, as we are entering into this new year of 2019, I'm wondering if you are feeling a sense of anticipation about God's good and powerful and miraculous work among us here at Forest View in our personal lives and in this church. I'm wondering if you're sensing this. We're coming near the end of 100 days of prayer. People have been praying diligently for 100 days, asking for God's wisdom and leadership and guidance and his blessing upon this church. And I hope you're sensing this feeling of anticipation. God has revealed himself fully in the person of Jesus Christ. We celebrated this over Christmas. And so we're walking with him, and he's leading us into this new year. So I'd like us to pray, and um, let's commit ourselves to the Lord and this year ahead. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, great creator of the whole universe, galaxy upon galaxy, quasars, black holes, you know them all. You've made them all. You're the great God of the universe and of our tiny little bluish-green planet. And you know us, men and women, on this earth. Oh, Lord God, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm, and nothing is too difficult for you. We trust in you. We believe in you as we move into this new year, Lord God. And we remember and acknowledge that last year was a very difficult year for many of us. And we ask you now, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, to bind up all that was wrong and broken and hurtful and false from last year, and that you will use these things, Lord, to refine us and make us more like Jesus, and then you will cast them away into the heart of the sea. We ask you in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every other name, to heal our hearts of any grief or hurt and enable us to forgive one another as you have forgiven and continue to forgive us. And as we begin this new year, we want to take it on in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, in the resurrection power of Jesus. And we pray this, Lord God Almighty, because we want to experience Jesus Christ, to know Jesus Christ better and deeper this year. And we are longing for the power of your resurrection, which really is in us who believe, 
to be revealed in powerful ways even more. And even as we share in your sufferings in this broken and beautiful world, that we will become more like Jesus, we'll look like Jesus, act like Jesus in our thought and word and action. And so, Lord, we pray this for all of us here as we gather this morning, that your blessing will rest upon each of us individually and in our homes and in our families and in our relationships and in our work. And that this church family, Forest View, church without walls, Lord God Almighty, you will break down every wall between you and us that we may know you and experience you in your fullness more and more in this year ahead. Lord God, that you will break down every wall between us as brothers and sisters in Christ so that we'll serve and love and and persevere with one another and have patience with each other and encourage one another and welcome one another in this place. And Lord, that you will break down every wall between us as a church and, and our neighbors and our neighborhood and that with great power, the power of your Holy Spirit, your good news will go out, the good news of Jesus, <laughs> the eternal life of Jesus in us. So we ask you to lead us in all of this, and we pray that always, Lord, you'll help to keep our hearts wide open to you first, to one another, and then to our neighbors. We give this to you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So today, folks, we start a new series. It's called Moved, Living the Parables of Jesus. And our parable today is found in Luke chapter 8. If you have a Bible or some kind of a device that has the Bible on it, I'd ask you to turn there to Luke chapter 8. Now, there's a caution as we look at parables. There's actually a proverb, Proverbs 26 and 7, that says this, the legs, the legs of a lame man are not equal. And so is a parable in the mouth of fools. I'm not sure I can interpret that fully, but I'm just wondering, as we attempt the exposition of these parables over the next while, let's pray that they're not lame expositions, shall we? Jesus is a master teacher. He's the master teacher. And um, I think we all know that truth discovered has a much deeper impact upon us than truth just told. And that's actually one of the weaknesses of sermons like this, right? There's a lot of talking from up front. And, um, but truth discovered, when we have to work for something and discover it ourselves, it seems to have a lot more meaning to us in terms of the application to our lives. So why would Jesus speak in parables then? Because some of those things are kind of covered and hard to understand. Well, two reasons Jesus spoke in parables, first of all, to reveal the mysteries of the kingdom of God to those who were receptive, who had hearts wide open. He wanted to reveal everything to them. But secondly, he spoke in parables to conceal, to conceal the mysteries of the kingdom of God to those who were unreceptive. So his desire was that he would speak something out, and we would investigate and ask questions and chase after it if we were actually interested. So, 
parable, literally, that word means to place something beside. So these parables are, he's, he's placing a spiritual truth alongside a story that we can all understand from a sort of our, from nature, or, and that's exactly what it is this week when we read this thing about um, the seeds and the soil. So one other thing about Jesus, the master teacher, is this, that his goal was not to transfer information. Jesus' goal was to go for transformation of life. His goal was not to give facts and knowledge about God and spiritual truth, but his goal, his end goal, was life change, that this knowledge and the facts and everything else would end up in changes in our lives. And for us, we live in an age, don't we, when there's sort of this cult of information, more information, give me more information. You just think about it for a minute. Google, Alexa, Siri, Bing, DuckDuckGo, give me information, right? <laughs> um, we love new information or information that's presented in new and clever ways. But the qu big question is this, do we need more information if we're not really using the stuff that we already have? If it's not changing our lives or making it any better? And so Jesus, with this same kind of thought, comes to us with parables and says, chase these things down and then use them, let them change the way we live. He's not giving us more information, he's asking us to search it out, to dig deeper, to ask questions, seek and you will find. So Jesus' parables then move us to action. God is very clear that he desires women and men who not only know the truth, but live it out. Be doers of the word and not hearers, only. So I'd like to read to you this morning. We're not going to put it up on the screen. Um, this is a Bible. <laughs> I'm going to read to you from the Bible, hard copy here, if you don't mind. Luke chapter 8. So just listen to me. I think you probably know a lot of this. Here we go. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, to be the disciples, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the man, who was the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many other women. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Did you hear that? These women are traveling on with Jesus and the disciples, and they're helping to support. They're probably giving money and lots of other stuff. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town. So you get the picture that this is like a big group of people. Jesus told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Soil number one. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture, soil number two. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants, soil number three. And still other seed fell on good soil. It came up. 
and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. That's an incredible harvest, by the way. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, she who has ears to hear, let them hear. And his disciples asked him what this parable meant. And he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God, the mysteries of the kingdom of God, has been given to you. So he wants to reveal this to them. But to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. So there's a concealing. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a little while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked. They're choked by life's worries, anxieties, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Now, <clears throat> I'd like to talk about the context of these verses for just a moment. It's most interesting to me that in this context, there are two stories about women. The first one comes immediately before this, which we didn't read, and it's about this woman who's called a sinful woman who comes to Jesus when he's with a whole bunch of other kind of religious leaders, and she comes in, and everybody knows she is a sinful woman. We don't know what her sin is, and you know what? It doesn't seem to matter to Jesus what her sin is. It really matters to the religious folks who are standing around. They get all upset about her. But Jesus receives her and accepts her. And she comes in and she weeps. And with her tears, she washes Jesus' feet. And then with her hair, she dries his feet. And then she pours this expensive perfume all over his feet. And this is a beautiful act of faith by a woman. Now, to set this in its context... Women were not highly honored in that time. You with me? You know this anyway, right? That women were not treated as equal people. And for Jesus to use her as a positive illustration is remarkable. And so we see as we move into our story from today, there are these three women that, you see, that we just read, Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons had been cast out. So her life was a mess before, but now she's following Jesus. And there's this a second woman, Joanna, whose husband is Cusa, who is the manager of King Herod's household. King Herod runs the whole country. This guy's a big top dog, and his wife is going around with Jesus helping to support. And there's Susanna and a whole bunch of other women, so the scripture says, who are supporting Jesus in his ministry. Jesus uses women then who were not really esteemed in society, and he esteems them greatly by mentioning them as being these 
perfect examples of people who not only believe or hear, but actually do something about it. <laughs> that they hear and they do. They hear and they obey. They actually follow. Remarkable. And this is actually, these are perfect examples of the parable that we've just read. Because Jesus is calling on us to do exactly what these women have done, and that is to hear and to act upon it. Jesus uses these women as illustrations here because he's overturning everything anyway, and he's making them right. So the parable then, very quickly, there are four soils, and I've sort of taken some of the key words from here, and you can see them up here as we go. Uh, first soil falls uh, is this path, and the seed falls on there. Now they hear, and what you'll notice that every one of these kinds of people hear about Jesus and his words. So they hear, and then the devil comes along and takes away the truth, so they can't believe, they can't follow, and they can't act upon the truth that they were given. Now, in 2019, if you start talking about the devil, unless you've been watching you know, a series of movies <laughs> that have been going on in the theaters lately, you probably get a smirk from people in our culture, right? But Jesus is very clear. There's a spiritual battle going on for the hearts and souls and spirits of men and women. And I tend to go with Jesus on stuff. Um, there really is a spiritual battle. There really is an enemy who wants to blind the eyes and shut down the hearts and harden the hearts of people in our world. That's why we pray, and that's why we've been doing this 100 days of prayer. That's why people were upstairs this morning praying for us, gathering here together today, that God will break through and open our eyes and reveal what we need to, to see. So we pray, we're alert to his lies, because Satan always, that's his MO, right? His method of operating is he just lies. He tells lies all the time. And the truth of Jesus Christ counteracts his lies. So the second kind of soil is the one that, you know, the seed falls in the rocks. They also hear, and they receive the word for a little while, but when tough times come, times of testing, we don't know exactly what they are, but maybe tough circumstances. Maybe they were promised a kind of false bill of goods when they believed. They said, you know what, you just believe Jesus, just ask him into your life, and everything's going to go rosy for you, and you get the ticket to heaven, and it's just going to be easy. Maybe that's what they were told, I don't know. Maybe it's mocking and laughter of their friends at school or of their family members or neighbor or something. So you believe in Jesus? What? You're following Jesus? Maybe it's that kind of stuff, I don't know. But anyway, they, they do not end up acting on the truth that they have, and they fall away. Third kind of soil is, those, is the seed falls in the thorns. They also hear, but then they're choked by the stuff of, well, really the stuff of life, isn't it? By worries, anxieties. Oh man, in North America, there are so many anxieties, aren't there? But we have it so easy here compared to most everywhere else in the world. But, and sometimes those anxieties and things can lead us away from God instead of cause us to call out to him. So anxieties, the Lord can meet us in our anxieties, but sometimes anxieties distract. And then there's this love of riches. 
that's in here as well. This idea that, like, isn't our whole culture built upon this? More, get more money so we can buy more stuff. The love of riches, what a distraction. And the last thing is pleasures. The, the Greek word here is, is the one from which we get our term hedonism. That it's just, this is all about me and entertain me, give me pleasure. This is what life is all about. And we can get sucked into this in, because our culture is just kind of built on this kind of stuff. And so falling among the thorns then, in the end, because of worries, the love of riches, and the love of pleasure, these people don't end up acting upon the truth of Jesus, Jesus and his truth. But then there's the good soil, the final soil, and these are people who hear, and their hearts are wide open to God. <laughs> what a beautiful picture. Hearts wide open to God, have good and noble heart. They hear, and are they going to quit? They're not going to quit. They hear and act. Persistent hearing. It's the kind of hearing that leads to action and that leads to abundant fruit in the lives of these people. All of these people hear, but not all are moved to action and obedience to the Lord God of the universe. Now, just as a little side here, there's a wrong question, I think, that we usually ask when we come to this, and that is, now, who's saved and who's, is it, are number one and two, are they saved or are they lost? Number three's maybe saved. What about number four? It's actually the wrong question to ask. That's not what the point of the thing is. Otherwise, Jesus would have cleared it up. He left it ambiguous, and we're going to leave it ambiguous. So let's move on. Okay? <laughs> it brings us then to the fact that Jesus is really giving us a warning that there are so many, many, many things that can distract us and get in the way of following Jesus and his words. Our lives can become distracted and cluttered. And stuff can actually take over our life and displace the fruitful working of the Lord Jesus Christ and his truth and his Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, these distractions, maybe yours was not in this list. Maybe it's not anxiety or worries. Maybe it's not the love of riches. Maybe it's not the love of pleasure. Maybe it's not times of testing. Maybe those aren't the things that impede you or distract you. Maybe yours is an addiction. An addiction to a substance or a habit or, or a relationship that you know is not good for you. Or maybe it's just the struggle of unanswered prayer when you've prayed and prayed and prayed and just, oh, where's the answer to this prayer? I give up. Some kind of disappointment where you know very well in your own life that there was a greater passion for the Lord Jesus Christ at one time. And now you're wondering, like, where, where has the passion gone? Where is this love for the Lord that used to beat so hard in my heart. You know, there was a book written a few years ago, uh, actually when I was in university, so that would be like eons ago. Uh, it's called The Tyranny of the Urgent by Charles Hummel. It's actually, uh, your Kindle price is $1.36. 
right now if you're interested in this. This is really good reading. It's very fascinating. The Tyranny of the Urgent. And his thesis is this, that there are urgent events in life that demand our attention right now. But then there are important things that never seem to demand our attention right now. Sort of like taking care of our soul. Oh, I can do that tomorrow. I'll do that next Sunday. Like there are urgent things that come and tend to take over our lives because they seem uh, urgent desires, urgent needs, urgent events that happen that demand our attention and demand to be fixed right now. Whereas the important things in that other category, like the nurturing of my soul, the inner woman, the inner man in each of us here, that kind of stuff can be left till later. What about our long-range spiritual health and our development? Ah, that can be left till later. What about our ministry for the Lord and our service to God and service to others? Ah, I can do that another time. And um, those are distractions. The urgent things of life that can take us away from the things that are really, really most important. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and, help me, all those other things will be added to us. Priority. Now I have an assumption here. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Whoever has ears, let her hear. I have an assumption that you're, the reason why you're here this morning is because you want to be good soil. You want to bear fruit for the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. You really do. So I want to end up with this question then about the trajectory of your life, the direction of your, your life at this point. And the question is this, how do we become good soil, really good soil that bears fruit for the Lord Jesus Christ and... Um, so here it is. First thing is, ask for it. Ask for it. Pray. Cultivate a soft heart towards the Holy Spirit and towards Jesus and his words. You know, Matthew 7, we used to sing this song, you know, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. The, the wise men built his house upon the rock. You remember that song? Maybe some of you do. It's very repetitive. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood firm. And then we sang the second verse. And I won't do that. But the, the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the same rains came down, the same floods came up, and the house on the sand fell splat. We used to do that. And then we'd all laugh. Do you know, can you see this? This is so not funny. Really, this is a tragedy. And the first three kind of soils that we see here are people building their lives upon the sand. And it's a tragedy because their houses are gonna fall flat. 
they're not going to know the life that Jesus wants them to have. They're not going to be the kind of people, full human beings that God desires for them to be. So they're going to miss it. That's tragic. So, and when Jesus explains what that little story is about, that little parable, he says, those who hear these words of mine and put them into practice are the, are the people who build their house upon the rock. And those who hear these words of mine and do not put them into practice, that's the person who builds his house upon the sand. This is all about Jesus and his words, about building our lives upon him. So we ask then for this. We come to him. We ask that we'll have a, a soft heart cultivated in us um, to follow Jesus and his words. The second thing is, we really want to encourage this heart in others as well. Um, Hebrews 3.13, I love this verse. Um, Let us encourage one another daily. Lord, every day? Like every day we're supposed to be doing this kind of thing? Yeah. Let us encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know the garbage that comes at us day after day has this hardening effect on our lives and upon our hearts. And so we need the encouragement and strength of other people in our life. We were never, this was never a Lone Ranger thing to be a Christian, right? It's always meant to be this communal thing where we're helping, encouraging, serving, uh, urging one another on in the Christian life. So part of our role then is to encourage other Christians. And um, I think that's what CovComs are all about here. When I first came to this church, I heard people saying, CovComs, CovComs. What on earth is a covcom? It's a covenant community. It's where people gather together and they make a covenant, a sacred promise to one another. I'm going to help you grow in the Lord. We're going to be that kind of friend to each other. And those will be refreshed and started up actually very soon. The third thing, third and fourth thing kind of go together here. And that is how do we get this kind of heart to be good fruit and bear good fruit for the Lord? The third thing is that there are certain spiritual practices, and some of them are inner practices, and some of them are out. Inner practices are the ones that keep our heart wide open to the Lord Jesus Christ, like reading the Bible, like prayer, like gathering together for worship like this, like having Christian friends who are going to encourage us and challenge us and keep us going on on the right path, on the Lord's path. These are the inner things that build us up. But then there are other outer spiritual practices that if the inner stuff is about keeping our heart wide open, then the outer stuff is about having our eyes wide open to the people around us, being spiritually alert. Sort of like we wake up in the morning, Lord, where are you in my day today? I want to see you as I walk through this day. And as we care for the needs of others, as often as you do it unto the least of these, you do it unto me, Jesus said. As we really care for the needs of other people, we find Jesus at work in our circumstances. As we offer hospitality to others, and that's not entertaining. 
It's hospitality of getting together with people, welcoming people, enjoying time with people. We find Christ there. As we live a life of generosity, as we're ambassadors for peace, as we become people of peace and reconciliation in our world, we find Jesus there in these places. And this is where we have God sightings, where we see God at work. Inner practices and outer practices. And here's the final point. Conscious, intentional decision where we make a decision that we say we're intending to be the trajectory of our life moving on. You know, New Year's resolutions are often big things that we begin, right? And then gradually they taper down and we kind of lose them. (laughs) But this kind of a spiritual resolution starts small, And as we follow Christ in this, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and more influential in our lives, more fruitful in our lives. It's this thing, this decision. Oh God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I long for more of you. I long for your fruitful influence in my life, for your seeds of truth, Jesus, and your word to come into my heart more and more and to transform me and to change me and the way I live. As the deer pants pants for the water brooks, so my soul longs for you, O God, thirsting after the living God. I want to be good soil. Do you want to be good soil? Like fruitful, fruitful for the Lord in this year ahead. So I'm going to actually ask you to do something physical this morning. If this is in your heart, and you sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning and say, you know what, this is my desire for you, that you will be more fruitful than ever before this year, that you'll let the seeds of God's truth come into your life more and more and bear abundant, lovely, wonderful fruit in your relationships, in your home, in your workplace, If this is your heart this morning, I'm going to ask you to come to the front and to kneel here and to have a time of prayer and just mark this. 2019, I want more of Christ and the seed of his word in my life to grow up and to bear good fruit, abundant fruit, eternal fruit for the glory of God. And some of you may say, well, you're not going to coerce me to go up to the front and kneel down up there. There's no coercion at all. This is just an invitation, okay? And for you, this might be the first time, or it might be something you've done before, but you just say, today, I want to mark this. As we begin 2019, I want more of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in my life because I want to be more fruitful for the Lord. I want to be good soil. I want my heart to be like this and to bear much fruit for the Lord. So the invitation is there. I invite you to come forward and kneel here, and we'll have a time, a brief time of prayer up here, and uh, I'll be the first.